Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. So in today's episode, I'm actually going to be doing things a little bit differently moving forward. And I think it's all good improvements. I'm always trying to make like little tweaks here and there to try and better what I offer to you guys, my listeners. And I think that this is going to be a nice little change. I've thought long and hard about it. And I think this is a good, a good step forward for the podcast. So basically, just as a wrap up. This is the first episode back recording in 2024. And I thought this is a good time to change things up. The last two weeks, my Being Better series, I pre-recorded that obviously before the year wrapped up. Well, I don't know if that's obvious, but I did. Um, And now I'm starting things a little bit differently. So the new format of the podcast, it's going to shift a little bit because I've been talking about, I want to have more guests on. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm thinking, well, how can I fit everything that I want to fit in while bringing more guests in, but still giving a good amount of my normal content that I do. So the new format of the podcast is going to be as follows. We are doing three, three episodes a week and it is going to be, so Mondays is going to be the science or brain fact episode. I'm aiming to be able to delve deeper into the topics that I want to delve deeper into. Sometimes I find that my science facts or brain facts stretch a bit too long. I tried not to have my episodes go more than an hour. I feel that ideally I'd like them to be a bit shorter so people can, you know, listen to the whole thing on their commute and whatever. And I found an hour is just a bit long for for my liking at least. So I try not to stretch out the brain facts, whereas in if I do it this way, I can dedicate like a a bit of a longer chunk and I can flesh out the science of the brain fact on the Monday for those science heavy, nerdy beans of mine. Wednesday is going to be kind of the normal episodes that I normally deliver with, you know, like the, the main topics that I cover. That's going to stay the same on the Wednesdays. And then on Fridays is where I have time to delve into heaps of guest episodes. That's why I'm going to be bringing way more guests on to hear how they've overcome things. I can have like specialists in the field coming on. It's going to, I really can start picking a lot of other people's brains on mindset and how they overcome anything that you can think of. Uh, But also on the Fridays that I don't have a guest on, it's also going to be the listener question episode, which is going to be called head noise. Cause I feel like a lot of the time everyone goes through something that like a lot of the the listener stories that people send in are very relatable and shit that heaps of other people have gone through something similar or felt the same things or thought the same thoughts. So we're calling it head noise and that's going to be my, you know, storytelling Friday where I can tell your stories and kind of do all the listener questions and dive deep into some topics there. So I'm really pumped for this new format. Another good thing about it is, so that's that. I love the fact that it's separated. Another reason why I like that it's separated is that it's going to make it easier for you guys to search certain topics, whether you wanted to listen to a listener question again, whether you wanted to listen to a science or a brain fact again, it's going to make it a lot more searchable, search friendly. Uh, And then it keeps the episodes a little bit shorter. So you're actually getting more episodes, but each one is just a tiny bit shorter. So it never goes over that kind of like 
50-minute hour mark, which I try not to make it do and a lot of them do spill over. So I thought let's break it up and let's, yeah, compartmentalize. Anyway, so having said that, we're going to get straight into the topic of today's episode. And this topic, I think, is a great one to cover because we all talk about the importance of sleep. We all talk about, you know, sleep cycles and REM sleep and deep sleep and light sleep. But how is it actually happening? How are these cycles taking place? How, you know, how can you maximize your sleep time knowing how these cycles work? And then I'm also going to be talking about naps and how naps can be extremely beneficial and how to maximize your nap time and when napping can be detrimental versus when it can be really great for your brain performance, for your focus, for your attention span, for all the above. Okay. So we're going to do a deep dive in sleep cycles and the benefits of napping. So let's begin. Let's begin. So we've got two phases or two different types of phases of sleep. We've got REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep, and I'm going to go into that. And then the second phase is non-REM sleep. And non-REM sleep can be broken down into three stages. Some people break it down into four, but three and four are kind of bunched together, so I'm going to break it down into three. You've got N1 N2 and N3. So let's begin with N1. So stage one or N1 sleep is your light sleep. So this is where it almost feels like you might still feel like you're kind of in between sleep and awake. It's when you're just drifting, relaxing and drifting off into sleep. This does not last very long at all. It goes for around five minutes and it's where around half of your alpha waves are swapped for these low amplitude, like mixed frequency waves. It's a really light sleep. You still have your muscle tone there. You're not completely like when you go into a deep sleep, you're more paralyzed. You've still got your muscle tone and your breathing rate is still pretty regular. Um, And yeah, it goes, it's just a couple of minutes and you don't really, this kind of light sleep is only as you're drifting off into sleep, okay? So a very short portion of your overall sleep time in a night, okay? Now, before I go into the next stages of sleep, when I talk about sleep cycles, so you've got N1, N2, N3, REM sleep, that is like a cycle, okay? And in a night, we go through roughly four to five, some people do three, but four to five of these cycles throughout the night. That's why and you'll understand as I go on, that's why depending on which time of the night you're woken up is going to impact you differently. If you're woken up in REM sleep, it's going to, you're going to feel very differently to if you're woken up from a deep sleep, okay, from like an N3 stage of sleep. And so understanding these, where you're repeating these four or five cycles throughout the night and understanding how sleep cycles and cycle times and nap times work will help you really like master the art of napping. Okay. Now we've got stage two or N2. This is a deeper sleep, not completely a deep sleep, but it's deeper. And this makes up around 45% of your overall sleep time, but it's still a lot lighter than your deep sleep stage. Okay. This stage two is where your body temperature starts to cool down. It's where your heart rate drops. And if you're someone that struggles to fall asleep, try and set your room to a cooler temperature. It is a lot easier to fall asleep when your body's a bit cooler because that's what your body actually tries to do to fall asleep. Okay. So if you feel that you're overheating, then no wonder you're struggling to fall asleep. Cool it right down. Okay. And 
so your, your body temperature drops, your heart rate drops, and this is where you get something called sleep spindles, okay? And these are basically like short bursts of neuronal firing in a whole bunch of areas in the brain. And it's really, there's a lot of studies around sleep spindles. I could do a whole brain fact on sleep spindles, to be honest. But basically these bursts of neuronal firing during this stage two of sleep is really crucial for synaptic plasticity. And synaptic plasticity is basically the formation of new synapses, new connections between neural neurons, between brain cells. Um, and of course, because of that synaptic plasticity, it plays a really important role in memory consolidation and in particular, something called procedural and declarative memory. So procedural memory is all types, it, it, it's a type of implicit memory. So it's basically the performance of an action, like driving a car, that's procedural. And declarative is the recall of facts and events. So this is the part of sleep stage two where you're getting a lot of this like consolidation, which also happens in stage three. Stage two is also where you drop into these theta and long delta waves. So this is kind of the longest brain waves and they're called K complexes. And they're really important in maintaining sleep. They keep you asleep. And the important thing to note about different stages in your sleep is that for each sleep cycle, the stages vary in length. So for stage two sleep, in your first cycle, it lasts roughly 25 minutes and then it gets longer and longer each cycle that you stay asleep consecutively. Okay. Also, if you're someone that grinds your teeth, it's happening in stage two. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe I should like delve deep into that because I find that really interesting. But teeth grinders, that's going down in stage two sleep, which is annoying because it's quite a big chunk of your sleep time. So not great for your teeth. Um, and then we've got stage three or N3. So it's your deepest non-REM sleep stage. This is the lowest frequency sleep waves here. And these are delta waves as well. And this is the sleep stage where it's really, really hard to wake up from. Okay. So this, you spend roughly 25% in total of your sleep time in this deep sleep state. So this is where even if you hear, even if there's relatively loud sounds, they, if you're in a deep sleep, it's likely not going to wake you unless it's like crazy loud, like an alarm, a fire alarm or something that obviously is loud enough to wake you up. But this state of your sleep is, you know, people can be having like full on conversations, closing doors and you're like out, out cold. Okay. The older you get, the less time is spent in this stage three. And this is also where you have something called sleep inertia, which is also like a mental fogginess. So you're going to understand this better when I, when I delve into your nap times. But if you are woken up in your deepest sleep, you do not feel refreshed. You do not feel fresh. It's like this fogginess, like this, oh, where am I? Oh, what am I doing? And you wake up just wanting to go back to sleep. That's It really tries to pull you back into this sleep state. It's if, if your alarm goes off when you're in your deep sleep state, it feels like such a pain to get yourself out of bed. You're just being drawn to fall asleep again. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's referred to as sleep inertia. And when you wake up during that time, your cognitive performance is going to be temporarily impaired. Okay. So yeah, we've all experienced that where we've had to wake up like ridiculously early to catch a flight or to drive somewhere or whatever, or to work. And you're just like, you're out of it. Absolutely out of it. You, you know, you're, you're clumsy. You're, you're putting things in the wrong place. You're whatever. Now, in stage three, 
your body goes through a lot of repair. Like your entire body is going through a lot of repair. This is tissue regrowth, tissue repair. Your body is being healed and strengthened. Your immune system, a lot happens for your immune system here. That's why when you're sick, you should sleep a lot because a lot of your repair and your recovery happens in your sleep and in your deep sleep, in your deepest sleep. And it's also a time where your hormones are being regulated as well. So it's super important to make sure that you're getting a prolonged amount of sleep time because your deep sleep, you know, you have to be asleep for a little bit in order to then drop into that deep sleep. And this is also where sleepwalking may occur, but that obviously sleepwalking is not normal because normally in this stage of sleep, you're getting more and more relaxed. So people who sleepwalk, there's obviously things going on in the brain that's not like quite normal and your body's not shutting down the ability to move your muscles as it should be. And while you're sleeping, you actually spend per cycle, you spend less and less time in this deep sleep. So in the first cycle, you're spending more time, the second, third, fourth, fifth. By the last cycle, when you're getting closer to waking up, you're spending next to no time, for some people, no time at all in this deep sleep state. Okay. Then the last one is REM sleep. That's rapid eye movement sleep. This is very important for so many things in the brain for your brain health. And this is your beta wave sleep. So the brain waves that's going on during your REM sleep is a lot closer to what it's like during wakefulness. Okay. The activity in the brain during REM sleep is a lot closer to your wakefulness activity versus like a deep sleep. This is where dreaming happens. So a lot's fucking going on in your head. And we're here for about 25% of our sleep time. And even though your brain activity is a whole lot closer to wakefulness, your muscles are basically a tonic, which is like they're essentially paralyzed. And obviously, except for your eyes, because your eyes are darting back and forth. If you watch someone when they're in REM sleep, you can actually see their eyes moving underneath their eyelids. And it also, of course, you're not paralyzing like your breathing and everything to keep your body alive. But as far as movement, you're not. And there's a few sleep disorders where this atonia does not happen. And that's where people act out their dreams and they can end up really hurting themselves or if they sleep next to somebody, hurting that person as well. So that's just obviously a disorder. It's not normal, but it's supposed to happen when you get this kind of paralysis during your REM sleep. It lasts around 10 minutes in the first cycle. And then each cycle gets longer and longer and longer, and it can last up to an hour. Okay. The last cycle can last up to an hour. So this is where dreaming nightmares. Um, and it also happens if you're napping, it also happens around the 90 minute mark of when you've fallen asleep, roughly, roughly everyone like varies a little bit, but it's roughly at the 90 minute mark where you're getting this REM sleep. Now, Let's look at how sleep cycles work because you've got your like stage one, stage two, stage three REM. Then you go back to, you know, the light sleep, back down, back down to a deeper sleep. Then the light sleep, back down to a deeper sleep. So you're like kind of waving. I'm going to, if you follow me on Instagram or the DYFM podcast page on Instagram, I'm going to share an image of what that looks like. But it's basically, you're like dropping in and out of these like cycles and you dip all the way down. You spend the longest time in the first cycle. Then you dip all the way back up to a lighter sleep. Then you dip down, you spend less time and up and down and up. So it's like a wavelength where you're spending more time in a deep sleep in the first one, less in REM. And by the end of it, way more in REM and less in your deep sleep. So it just looks like, yeah, like a wiggly line basically of these sleep cycles. And REM is when you're most likely to wake up. REM is closest to waking as far as brain activity goes. So it is a lot easier to wake up in this REM stage. And it's also likely why many people wake up mid-dream and remember so much about their dream because it was happening as they were waking up. So after REM, 
the whole the whole sleep stages start again. But like I said, if you've done the four or five sleep cycles, you're going to be waking up naturally coming out of this REM sleep. So if you're someone that says, I don't remember my dreams, like the studies show that most people are dreaming somewhat. A lot of people don't remember them, but a lot of people might not be waking up during their REM sleep stage. And if you wake up during a deep sleep, you're likely not going to remember any of your dream. And when you dream, you're likely remembering the most recent REM cycle. And if you're getting the five to seven cycles and you're like, yeah, but my dream felt like it went all night and it was convoluted. It's up to an hour that you could be in this REM sleep stage where all these things are happening. So there's a lot of dreaming. There's a lot of things that can be going on in that final hour of your sleep, which could be in REM up to an hour for some people. So in total in a night, we, we can spend up to two hours of dreaming and the rest of it is non-REM sleep. So knowing what you know about sleep cycles, now I'm going to be talking about napping and how you can really maximize your nap. Because when done properly, napping is very, very good for your brain. It's great for your cognitive performance. It's great for your focus. It's great for your energy levels. It's just great for your focus, your attention, everything. But you've got to do it properly because there are ways of napping incorrectly that's going to make you feel more tired. It's going to interrupt how you sleep later on at nighttime. So let's go through how napping should be done. Firstly, you want to make sure that you're napping in the early afternoon. Okay. So if you're someone that that, you know, maintains a regular sleep-wake cycle where you're sleeping at night and awake during the day, you want to make sure that your nap is in the early arvo for several reasons. Reason number one, you don't want it to be too close to going to bed because it might actually interfere with how you fall asleep because you might have just already had a full sleep cycle and then it's harder to fall asleep again because you're not really drifting off. You're not getting that, like, the changes, the chemical changes in your brain to help you drift off to sleep. That's number one. So you want it early arvo, 2, 3 p.m. And reason number two is that it kind of follows this slump in energy within the circadian rhythm. So we've all got this 24-hour clock in our body called the circadian rhythm. And we, you know, it's where the cortisol is released early in the morning and when you've got lowest cortisol at nighttime. But we all have this slump of energy around 3 p.m. For some people, it's a bit earlier, a bit later, but around 3 p.m. We've all experienced it. Sometimes you don't realize it because you're on a roll, whatever, but other days it's more noticeable than not. And it's where you could really just take a lie down, close your eyes. You just feel like at 3 p.m. So that's a great time to take a nap. And in a lot of countries, it, they do the siesta and it works unbelievably well. So what times, what, what's the duration of time that you should be sleeping? So there's all these studies that have been done on nap times and what's the appropriate nap time. And I'm going to break down different nap durations and what they're good for. So the first one is that you've got your quick nap, which is a 10 minute nap. Okay. This is really good for a quick rest. You feel refreshed. You feel great. You don't have enough time to enter a slow wave sleep. So when you wake up from a 10 minute nap, you're not feeling groggy. You're not feeling disoriented. It doesn't take you 30 minutes to get your cognitive performance back. You feel sharp. You feel good. 10 minutes is a great time if you're feeling a bit like sluggish or tired. 10 minute power nap, you feel amazing and you just have not been able to drop. You just physically cannot have gotten into a deep sleep stage because you don't ha you haven't been asleep for enough time to drop into those lower deep sleep stages. You also haven't entered a REM sleep. So this is a good refresher for yourself to give you a bit of bo a boost of energy. Okay. The slightly longer nap time. This is the 20 to 30 minute nap. So this makes you feel great 
Uh, it's really good to feel refreshed, but it might require a little bit of adjusting when you wake up, depending on the individual, a couple of minutes to feel like you've like gotten back into the zone because you might be dropping into a slightly more relaxed, deeper sleep state, but you're still getting all these benefits. You're still feeling really good. Um, and your, your cognitive performance will definitely increase if you're doing that 20 to 30 minute nap. Okay. And a lot of people who do this 30 minute nap time, uh, reporting increased work performance. So it's very, very good for your performance. It's very good for your brain. It's just great in general. Another thing that people do is something called a caffeine nap. So, and of course, keep in mind that if you're someone who's caffeine sensitive, again, you want to be doing this earlier in the afternoon and not too close to bedtime if you're super caffeine sensitive and if that keeps you awake for hours. But caffeine actually takes around 20 to 30 minutes to actually kick in. So what some people do is they will take either a caffeine tablet or a coffee and they will go to sleep, time it for like 20 to 30 minutes. And by the time they wake out of that, wake up out of that nap, not only are they feeling refreshed from the nap, but then they're also getting this second wave of alertness because the caffeine has hit in. So it's like a double whammy and you feel great. So a caffeine nap for someone who normally feels a slump in the afternoon might be a really good tool that you can use for yourself to get that second wave. Um, also, I need to be doing a brain fact on the benefits of caffeine in general because, you know, it's just I think a lot of people think, oh, is caffeine bad for the brain? And this, that, it's absolutely not bad for the brain. So I will be doing a whole brain fact on caffeine. Um, and then we've got something called a micro nap, which is literally a couple of minutes. I personally would struggle to fall asleep for just a couple of minutes, but I think maybe I have in the past where I've drifted off for a couple of minutes, been woken up, and I've still felt good. So a micro naps are really good for people that already have a good amount of energy, they're not sleep deprived, but um, it just helps with their focus and it helps with their performance to just like have a five minute downtime. But I can imagine a lot of people would really struggle with just a five minute nap. Um, and then we've got the longer nap. Now, the longer nap, this is where you've got to be quite specific on how you do your long nap. This is a nap that goes for roughly 90 minutes. If you are sleep deprived and you have time for a nap, you want to be doing a longer nap. So if you have not had a proper night's sleep, if you have sleep debt, if you, for whatever reason, got to sleep super late or had to wake up ridiculously early and you've got a debt and you're tired and you're deprived, 90 minutes. That way you get a full cycle down under your belt, okay? 90 minutes is great because you get the restorative sleep, you get that repair, you get everything happening in the body where you're really repairing the muscles and all of that. But you've got to give yourself enough time for the 90 minutes because if you sleep between, they say between like 50 and 80 minutes or 40 and 80 minutes is kind of where if you wake up in that time frame, you're going to feel like a zombie. You are going to feel so fucked. If you've ever had one of those afternoon naps, that's kind of like at the one hour mark, you wake up being like, oh my God, I could go for another five hours. I'm so and it's just because you've woken up at the wrong time in your sleep cycle. So 90 minutes. And like I mentioned, REM sleep kicks in around the 90 minute mark. You want to be waking yourself up when your REM sleep is kicking in because REM sleep is back to the lightest, back to a lighter as far as brain activity goes. Your brain waves are closer to your wakefulness. And when you're having a normal full sleep, like a seven, eight hour sleep, again, when you're coming out of your sleep, you're in that REM stage coming out of the sleep. So when you're looking at the longer naps, make sure that you're aiming for the 90 minutes. Each individual might have to tweak it a bit. You might be like, oh, I actually sit at around 100 minutes, 110 minutes, whatever. But 90 minutes 
if you are sleep deprived. If you're not sleep deprived, I would probably stick to a 30 minute nap. That way you're not risking getting into a deep sleep and then risking feeling super, super groggy and feeling like you could go back to bed for hours and hours and hours on end. So in conclusion, napping is unbelievable for um, your cognitive performance, your attention, your focus when done properly. So remember, you want to do early afternoon. You kind of want to follow your circadian rhythm cycle early afternoon. You want to keep it at 30 minutes unless you are sleep deprived and you have time to fit in a 90 minute nap. But again, you want to be keeping it in the earlier part of the day. If you are sleep deprived and you got time in the mid morning, that's another good time to do a nap because you're sleep deprived. Otherwise you're doing it as more of like a cognitive little boost in the early arvo. Don't make it too close to your bedtime. Um, if you're someone that really wants to feel really alert when you wake up, try the caffeine nap. If you can do caffeine in the afternoon, that's that's individual dependent. And then if you want to try like a power nap, you can also do that. But remember, 30-minute nap time if you're not sleep deprived, 90 minutes. Try not to sleep in between that time frame because you might be waking up feeling super groggy and you can't really function. It might take you 30 or more minutes to feel like back to yourself again, which is not what we want. So hopefully you found this episode helpful. Hopefully it's inspired you to start taking some naps. Naps should not be demonized. They should be glorified. They're very good for the brain. Sleep is always good for the brain. It's just learning to tweak it to make it work for you. Okay. Um, yeah. If you have any questions around the nap time and sleep cycles and sleep time and all of that, please just send in your questions, ask the questions on the Facebook page for the Facebook page. If you're not already a member, it's, uh, do you fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez? Are you just answer like some basic questions and then you enter the group so you can ask it there um would love to hear your questions around this because you will be amazed at if you can really get your sleep to work for you your everything is going to change your mood your overall happiness your performance your creativity everything gets better when you nail your sleep okay so try this give it a go if you're someone that struggles to get a full night's sleep start implementing some naps within your day and see if that helps you as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Brain Fact episode of today. See how much longer it went? I could really dive deep into this. Love this so much. That is all for today. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke. Listener.